Hi, and welcome to Policy Pod by LDA. My name's Matt Goche, and I'll be your host. This podcast aims to break down common trends, problems, and concepts in the life insurance industry. We wanted to create a place where we could talk openly about things that confuse clients and advisors alike. This episode, we were joined by members of the Advocates Technology and Innovation Committee, Herman Chan, Brandon Chapman, Kelly Gustafson, and Ray Adamson. Today's conversation surrounded technology and its impact on the industry, as well as ways that Advocus is working to enable advisors in their digital adaptation journeys. With the warm weather finally starting to settle in, I know that much like many of you, I'm starting to look forward to evenings around a campfire up at the lake. But just because you are away from your office doesn't mean that your insurance practice can't be working for you while you're away. LDA Lead Gen turns your website into a lead generation machine, turning web traffic into potential leads by allowing visitors to enter their information in a basic needs analysis and producing a fully branded LDA report showcasing various insurance options that fit their needs at only $20 a month. To learn more, visit www.lifedesignanalysis.com forward slash lead dash gen. That's www.lifedesignalysis.com forward slash lead dash gen. Or contact us to see a demo of LDA Lead Gen in action today. Good morning, everybody. Really excited to have you on today. So we're going to start by uh, just going around the horn and everyone can introduce themselves, what part of the industry they're a part of and how they came to Advocates and on the TIC panel. My name is Herman Chan. I'm the current chair of the Advocates Technology and Innovation Committee. And uh, I'm also a field leader for a major financial institution here in the GTA. Uh, I've been in the financial industry now for 16 years. And I've been obsessed for fintech uh, for as long as I can remember. Uh, Kelly Gustafson. I am a 25-year industry veteran. I am an 18-year advocacy member. I am a founding member of the Technology and Innovation Committee at Advocus, also on the Saskatchewan PAC, and also on the National TFAC Board of Directors. Uh, I'm currently an independent technology advocate for financial advisors across Canada. I work with distributors. I consult with fintech companies on how to strategize, integrate, scale, grow, iterate, etc. So uh, I'm looking forward to this podcast with my friends Herman and Brandon uh, and Ray, and of course, the LDA team, uh, who I have a longstanding relationship with and absolutely love the technology. So thanks for the invite, guys. No problem. Happy to have you. Uh, hey, my name is Brandon Chapman. Uh, I have had eight years experience in the industry as a financial advisor, financial planner. Uh, I also am the founder of Advisor Flow, which is a fintech platform that helps with client discovery for financial advisors. I'm very passionate about this particular group uh, as I was one of the founding members of the Tech and Innovation Committee um, back when it was just a research group. And now we've got a lot more advisor-facing materials, that, which hopefully everyone who listens to this will have an opportunity to check out, such as the DigiCat. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. I'm excited about uh, to be on this and love, I like the LDA product and, and team as well. So thanks for having me. And uh, I'm Ray Adamson. Um, I'm like Kelly, uh, at least 25 years in this uh, crazy business. Um, uh, licensed uh, advise, insurance advisor for the last 10 years or so. I've been uh, focusing on my practice, but also uh, working in the tech space, mainly uh, with um, insure techs as well as some fintechs. Um, for the last uh, couple of years, I've been uh, advising a number of uh, insure tech startups. And um, I'm going to be joining another tech firm uh, in a senior role uh, shortly, um, but uh, I'll wait to announce the more details on that. Um, I got involved in the, the tick a couple of years ago, um, and actually, um, it was uh, uh, past Abe Taves, uh, past president of Advocus, uh, reached out to me and uh, asked me if, uh, if I'd consider getting involved and put my application in. And for some reason, Brandon and Herman and the team thought I uh, might be able to add some value. So uh, I've been excited to be a part of the team. I, I, I think we've got a great group 
um, as part of the uh, of the committee and uh, excited to bring uh, tech uh, knowledge and insights to the advocates members and through that to advisors at large on how to leverage technology to augment and optimize their uh, their practices. So I appreciate the opportunity to be here today with the LDA team. And I've known Charlie uh, since uh, he started up with uh, his stepfather, Larry, way back when. And I've uh, been so impressed with the uh, the evolution of the business and the growth and uh, excited for what the future holds there. So thanks for having me today. But Ray, you don't want to give us the uh, the first on the ground, you know, the the breaking news reports. Oh, uh, I'm gonna wait uh, <laughs> wait till it's finalized, Matt. It's not that I'm not that exciting. I gotta be honest. So. <laughs> John, why don't you give a little introduction as well for those folks that don't know you? Yeah, my name is Jonathan Jarvey. I have been with the LDA team now for over six years. I'm a senior account executive. Uh, I work with many organizations. I've worked with thousands of advisors, showing them the ways of how to use LDA and incorporate it in their practice. Um, so a lot of the conversation that we have falls into the tick philosophy. So I'm excited for our discussion we'll have today. Uh, yeah, thanks for everyone for coming. So the, the insurance industry is no, uh, you know, it, it's no stranger to change. It's no stranger to evolution. It, it's, it changes every day, right? Like every year, almost year after year, new products, new carriers, new companies new people, new faces, new, new people that need insurance. And um, where, where have you guys seen technology change from when you started? Uh, maybe this is more to Kelly and Ray, but when you started to now, and how has that changed? And then how have you uh, also kind of seen people leverage that to increase their businesses and people that have maybe fought against it and fell aside as well because of that? Kelly, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go? Sure. I'll just, um, so I'd say that, um, like impacting in the insurance industry, obviously like accessibility, um, from 25 years ago, paper-based traditional face-to-face business to now, um, being able to have policy delivery online, e-apps, all that kind of stuff, accessible, accessibility to information, even to, um, 24, 7, 365, service options, live chat, you know, instant answers to questions, convenience, um, efficiency, all of those things are um, really, I think, driven by necessity, especially since COVID, where we had restriction to -to face-to-face access and all of those traditional ways were not available for us anymore. And so key driver, necessity and convenience. Now customers have an expectation that we should be able to provide a different level of convenience um, to them when it comes to information and services. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I first got involved in the industry, my dad was in the business for 40 years. And um, when I first came in, they, we still had rate books for carriers. Yeah. Uh, you guys might not even know what they would look like, but it was literally like a trunk full of binders. And if you're going to see a client, you'd be flipping through and, and manually calculating uh, what the, uh, the the quotes would be. And um, I remember buying my first laptop. It had four mega RAM. It ran on 3.1, Windows 3.1. Uh, the software from the carriers was on floppy disks. Uh, it was old school. It was but 500 after, pounds. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's definitely evolved since then. And, you know, technology for our industry, I think it's always been a focus. Um, and everybody, you know, I've, I coached, I've coached advisors for over 20 years. And often the questions are, what's everybody using? What's the best CRM or what's the best uh, tools out there? And um, a lot of that, you know, that's what our, we're trying to do with our technology innovation committee is bring that information to the advisor uh, world. But for many advisors, I think what's happened is there's been an evolution in how they're looking at their business. Uh, Technology has brought in an opportunity for them to optimize their practice. Um, Even senior advisors, and when I say that, you know, folks that are, you know, 10, 15 years older than I am that are looking at transitioning in their practice, they're realizing they need to have technology in order to facilitate that. So it's not a, hey, a nice to have, it's a must have, but it's definitely impacted uh, kind of uh, the approach for advisors. Sometimes I think advisors get a little c- too caught up in what tech to use as opposed to focusing on going out and you know servicing their clients, getting new clients, that kind of thing. But technology is that enabler to help them do more for their existing clients as well as 
add more and more value for the new clients that are coming on board. And tools like uh, Advisor Flow and and uh, LDA are you know they're key uh, assets for an advisor to help streamline their practice and and again improve the client experience. And that's ultimately, I think that's what everybody's trying to do. Hey, Brandon, you said you've been here since the beginning and obviously from research group. So what was the point? Like, why, why was the tech created? Why did you guys come together and say, this is not just a handful of people Like, we need to be promoting technological awareness and development on the entire industry? So our uh, initial chair, his name is Curtis Finley. He's uh, been an advocacy member and an industry advocate for, for decades. Um, and the interesting thing was, is uh, advocacy, because it's an old organization, there's a lot of history. There was a lot of question around, well, what does the future of the financial advice industry look like and what technology is out there? So we initially started as a task force to research what's happening in the tech world and how is that going to impact advisors? And then during the pandemic, that evolved into, okay, we've, we've got all this research. Now we need to actually educate the advisor community on what we found. So that's where the DigiCat came and how the task force turned into a full committee. And so I had the pleasure of leading the committee during that transition under the support of uh, Kelly uh, and JF, uh, uh, who's not on the call today. Uh, But we have seen uh, a lot of success with the content that we've put out. And we're going to continue to build a value-added content for the financial advisor community, respecting the way things were done, but understanding the future ahead of us and what technology can do for the financial advisor client relationship. Mm-hmm. And how important is is diversity on the board? Obviously, like on this committee, that you just have people from one point of view, like are you carriers or intratech or fintech, you just have one one voice, it's it's obviously going to be very weighted, right? So how, how important is that diversity on the panel when you're exp- expanding it or adding new people into the committee? Great question, Matt. Uh, yeah, the diversity and inclusion, um, I think I should say belonging now, I heard read that last week. Uh, is very important to the tech. Um, and I'm very fortunate that we've got a great uh, team of volunteers coast to coast. Uh, in Vancouver, we've got Brandon, who's on the call. We've got Prem from Hub Financial as well. Uh, and then in the Alberta Prairies, we've got Kelly G, who's also on the call. We've got Ray here in Ontario, Samuel Axman, who's an advisor. Uh, we've got Charlie, you know, co-founder of LDA. Uh, shout out to Charlie. Uh, and we also have uh, Zainab. Uh, Williams in the GTA as well, and myself. And then um, in the Far East, uh, on the island there, uh, St. John's, Newfoundland, we got Darren Ryan, who's also another advisor uh, that joined our team last summer. So uh, yeah, no, diversity is very important to have these voices um, and uh, probably reflect you know, the, the growing diversity of our communities uh, across the country, and uh, as well as the diversity of our advisor community. Uh, just to add, I, so, uh, Kelly, I saw your hand up. The, the diversity as well, Matt, uh, to kind of piggyback on Herman, is if there's diversity around uh, perspectives because there's the advisor perspective. We've got carrier perspective from Herman. We've got perspective of, uh, of the insure techs themselves. So it's, it's a good uh, uh, dialogue when the committee gets together. And I think it's, it's not about competing interests. It's just uh, communication and awareness, I think, in a lot of cases. No, that's exactly what I was going to say is when I think of diversity, when we were designing the, you know, the recruiting, um, how would we attract new members? It was really we were strategic and we were intentional uh, when we went out for our asks because we wanted to have a broad range of perspective when it came to a voice, the voice of fintech, insurtech, regtech, the voice of financial advisors um, with, with tenure in the business, but also new to the business and then also distribution. And it'd be great to have carrier perspective as well. So we think about that and we appreciate when people come in with that different perspective, different areas of expertise, because it allows us to serve the greater population and the greater good. I mean, advocacy fundamentally is about advocacy and advocacy is about representation and representation is what we're looking for when it comes to this industry leading technology and innovation committee. I mean, John can speak to this too, but we, we see it a lot, right? Because we are the mediator in between the distribution chain and the advisors. And like they obviously they have the relationship with the carrier and they have with their MGA, but we see a different relationship with them. And we see things that they maybe not necessarily openly talk to, to the carriers or the MGAs, but they speak with us about it. And so we have this 
unique relationship in the industry that way too. And it's good that Charlie's on the on the panel as well. One question I have for the group is when talking about technology, the one common objection I hear from people is change because they have to learn something new. They have to change their process that some have been working on for many years. What advice would you give to an advisor that's say approaching this stage where they know technology can help, but they're not sure where to start? I think teaming is a very important factor when it comes to learning about new technology. We have a lot of wise advisors who have built their businesses over a span of 30, 40 years. And it can be overwhelming to hear of all these new technologies and new ways of doing things. Uh, but I think what, where I'm seeing a lot of success uh, in my business is working with older advisors, showing them which parts of their practice can be digitized. So for example, as a senior advisor, he had a bunch of filing cabinets. And I'm like, why do you have those filing cabinets? And how do you find anything? He's like, well, just happened over a span of years. But I introduced him to a platform called Sync. He was able to upload all of his files uh, into that system, get it all scanned. Now, when he wants to find something, he can just hit Control F. He doesn't have to go scanning through these files from years and years and years. So he would not have been able to find the platform maybe on his own, and he maybe wouldn't have got that push. But now the value of his business has increased. So I, I think that there's always going to be a hesitance to change among folks that have been doing something the same way for a long time. But we need to have our eyes open and know where the industry is going and um, think about succession and, and transition planning when considering how to integrate new tech. Absolutely. You know, it, it, you're bang on, uh, Brandon and, and Jonathan. It, it's They don't have to change. They don't have to actually invest or implement technology. People only change when they understand it's riskier to stay the way they are. And uh, if, they, if they realize that they need to evolve their practice, it becomes a question of not the why, but the how. And for a lot of advisors, as Brandon highlighted, it's really just, I, I need somebody to kind of help guide me. It's almost like what they do for their clients, sitting down and helping them to understand this is what you should, this is the type of policy you should buy and this is why. Same thing for tech. Uh, and and uh, again, I'm going back over 20 years. A lot of advisors have invested in technology over the years and they get frustrated because they don't know how to use it or maximize the benefit of it. And they get frustrated and they go, oh, that was a waste of money and it's gone. Often and they're left to their own devices. So it's, it's figuring out how to support them in that transition. But they first have to decide they want to make the transition um, and then look for the help. And for a lot of them, I'll tell them, if you can write down what all your processes are and map that out, then it's a lot easier to figure out what technology you may want to use and start to map those processes into the technology rather than trying to change. I'd also add that uh, when it comes to change that, uh, you know, for many advisors, especially the veteran ones, like ideally they would like to find some efficiencies. Uh, and whether it's a, a, a software that compares life insurance like LDA uh, or just, you know, being able to organize your data, like Brandon mentioned with Sync, there's another tool out there that I work with a bunch of veteran advisors and some of them have, have bought into this concept of, you know, leveraging technology and delegating, right? So another tool out there that's actually in the DigiCat that Brendan mentioned earlier uh, via the Abacus site is SideDrawer. Uh, another popular tool that's definitely gaining some steam and momentum, very easy to use, uh, and it's well categorized. Um, but the key is really, you know, finding efficiencies, but, but also by delegating. So whether it's delegating to a tech tool or delegating to another human person that's going to use a tech tool, um, you know, these are definitely major reasons why, you know, the, the, the concept of change uh, it may not be as daunting. And, and there's actually ways to potential to leverage some of these things that exist out there already uh, and uh, to increase revenue and free up time for those advisors to do other things that they want to spend more time on. Yeah, and from my perspective, too, I find that the problems that advisors have are, are quite common um, and everybody has different problems and inefficiencies in their own way. And the one thing I always say is let's focus on those things that could be better in your business when I'm working with an advisor in the life insurance space that could be finding a place to manage all their insurance clients, to see all the data or to automate how to act on opportunities. It could be quoting, it could be document storage, but really identifying those key problems because everybody has that and then using that to enhance your business. But um, that would be 
my recommendation for anybody that is looking at technology, focus on those main key problems in your business and seeing how technology can be used to completely eliminate it or to enhance it. So everything works easier for you. With auditors pushing harder and harder on, you know, know your product and being better for your customers, um, you know, we, that's something we have been talking to advisors a lot about is how easy it is, you know, especially with a technology like LDA, where you can easily quote more, more three or four products. So you know that you're showing these things to the people you're following up, you're hitting those compliance markers and without having to think about, oh, am I actually doing my due diligence? If I get audited, is this going to come back to me? Um, and so we've had those conversations, especially a lot recently with the, the news that has been floating around. So as, as it changes, um, yeah, just find those points, find what you need to change and then adapt or find something that will help fix the problem. And for, and for advisors that don't know where to start, uh, you know, for those listening that are active advocates members, just log in. There's a link in the lower left corner. Uh, but that's the, the easiest way for you to get connected to the NGCAT 2.0 that we have in our site. Um, you know, the team has done an amazing job, you know, starting with Kelly, you know, when it was a PDF document, now it's actually sort of an app-like experience. Uh, stay tuned for more enhancements in the year to come. Uh, but, you know, we've done a lot of categorizing already for, for advisors. Um, if you have an idea of kind of what they want to start with first, it's pretty easy to search. Uh, and all the members of the team are ready to help. So let's just uh, back up then a little bit. Let's talk about DigiCat. What is it? Why why was it made? And uh, what does it bring to the advisor? It's um, the DigiCat is a digital catalog of the most frequently used best in class technology like fintech, insurtech, regtech, foundational platform tools um, that are being used by advisors out there in the industry right now. You know, typically you go to an event and and um, Yes, the guy's sitting at your, your table, what technology they're using and why they're using it. And this is really just a centralized uh, and, you know, value add tool that I started to create off of one of the projects we did when we were just a task force out of necessity and trying to create value and lead the conversation versus following the conversation. I mean, this is like the, the Tech and Innovation Committee is six years old now. I mean, we're way ahead of any of the other industry organizations when it came to building. And so we've just evolved into offering these value-add tools because we want to be a part of the conversation. Like it's a, it's, we're in a situation where either you're in or you're in the way right now. And advisors need a place to start. So this is not only the tools, but categorizing the tools so you know how to think about how to evaluate technology and then it's backed by a team of volunteer advocates that are ready to help you um, navigate these conversations, navigate the technology, and are providing value add that you can engage with that didn't exist before. It's it's kind of back to the point. It's not a collaboration of competition. It's it's collaboration at the bottom level, 100%. right? <laughs> Everyone working together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's working towards a common cause, which is benefiting. Let's benefit the industry because through that, it benefits the consumer and our clients. Well, I think too, like the the fintech companies like LDA. I mean, you're you guys are chasing subscribers and you're chasing distributors, and really, there isn't advocacy for you out there saying, "Hey, this is a fantastic tool." If you're an insurance like life insurance and living benefit licensed advisor, you need to use this. Not you need to consider this. You need to be using this technology because of how much efficiency it brings you and how many problems it solves in your business. Like we want advisors to hear that from us. It's one thing coming from you, Jonathan and Matt from LDA. It's another thing coming from us, the people that know the technology and know the advisors in the industry. It's absolutely, um, you know, advocates on your on your behalf are way more valuable than the dollar figure you can throw at any marketing budget. And just to, and just to add to Kelly's point, I mean, we all, like all the members here, like we're all connected in the industry in some sort of way. You know, if a member uh, or somebody thinking about signing up as a member uh, can can talk to one of us, and we'd be more than happy to connect them with other advisors using those tools. Like I know at least three or four guys right now. Uh, that are actively using LDA probably as we speak while we're recording this this uh, podcast, right? So, and I'm just one person on the committee. So, yeah, so definitely take advantage of that and uh, and, and save yourself a lot of time about the efficiencies and changes we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's move into a new category of of technology that's that's you know it's everywhere. You cannot open up 
any news platform without seeing AI. It is everywhere, right? GPT-4, GPT-5's on the way, um, you know. So how do you, how do you see this being implemented into the industry? Will it really be in- implemented? How could it be done? Um, and, and where do you think it would, it can change? Yeah. So, uh, this is, this is all the rage the past year. I'm sure everyone's played around with chat GPT. It's, it's very exciting technology and if used the right way, it can help, uh, financial advisors run better businesses. Uh, cautionary tale though, uh, whenever advisors are entering information into these platforms, that's being entered into this large language model. So you're losing out in client privacy. So the way that advisors can leverage AI tools is to automate repetitive tasks and get their assistants and their marketing people doing higher value activities. So looking at it as like a personal assistant to support, but it cannot replace advice. It cannot replace uh, true marketing copy that you're creating. And so I'm curious to see how these platforms will evolve over time. But I do want to ensure advisors research them, try them out, but also be aware of the, the risks associated with using those tools. Chat GPT and all these kinds, these kinds of tools are trained on historical data. And so historical data comes with bias. And that's one of those things that you have to watch out for as well, is that um, the uniqueness that Brandon was talking about is, belongs to humans, not, not algorithms. And I think that's one of the things that you have to consider too, not only privacy, data security, and all of that kind of stuff, but historical bias. That's an imposition in my mind. Well, I, you know, I think about, um, you know, bringing our solutions to consumers in general. And one of my concerns for, as, for us as an industry is that there tends to be a focus on uh, the high net worth market, however people define that. And there's a broad uh, swath of our population in Canada that may not be getting uh, quality advice. Um, you know, they may be getting some advice at the bank. Some people may not even be getting that. So they turn to online to get their, you know, whether it's a TikTok uh, finfluencer who's, you know, doing videos on things. Um, you know, they're do- putting their own things into chat GPT and to, to Kelly's point, there could be risk there. Um, I think that, you know, if we look forward with our industry, I think there's an opportunity to leverage AI to bring advice to more people. And if you're truly an advisor and you are advising people, you're always going to have a role. Um, but right now, not advisors aren't getting to all clients or all prospects out there because we start to look at the value uh, that that particular prospect might bring us. And you know, proactively, we're not trying to target uh, maybe certain socioeconomic segments of our population, but I think they would benefit from advice. So there, there definitely could be a place with AI and, and bringing that to uh, a larger population um, at a pro- in a profitable way so they get access to solutions. One of my pet peeves is every time I see a GoFundMe online, for someone that's passed away and didn't have insurance in place. And it kills me because for, you know, pennies on the dollar, they could have coverage and could have mitigated some of the the issues that the people left behind are dealing with. So I'm hoping that that is an evolution uh, for us as an industry. Yeah, with the, with the rise of AI in the last yeah, half year, year, um, I believe that, you know, this topic of personal finance is more personal than ever. And, and, People need customized solutions. People need personalized solutions. So AI is going to be a tool. It's going to be a great tool to, to help a, a professional advisor, professional planner provide these personalized and customized solutions for, for people out there. Um, so that's one point. The other point I want to make is AI is only as good as the information that's being fed, right? So with insurance, uh, it's such a personal topic, still arguably taboo, even in a you know, first world country like Canada. Uh, but there's limited information out there on the internet for this AI thing to analyze. Um, so a lot, a lot of discussions that are happening across the country are, are happening behind closed doors or behind virtual closed doors, right? So um, I think it's, it's really important for, uh, for advisors uh, and planners to take advantage of that uh, where it can you know, um, simplify or automate some of those repetitive tasks. But when it comes to personalized and customized advice, uh, I think it's really important that consumers and, and Canadians listening to this out there are, are working with a trusted professional. 
The only other piece I want to add is advisors need to be looking at innovative tools to integrate into their business because there are platforms going uh, competitive, competitively against advisors who are integrating these technologies. Um, you know, this company policy me is selling a lot of very cheap policies to people that are searching up for information online and are comfortable working directly with a robot. Now, longer term, will those clients be better served than those working with an independent professional? Probably not. But if advisors are not visible online, if they're not sharing information on a regular basis, and there's not a human associated, then guess what? The AI or the companies that are trying to go direct to consumer without leveraging advisors, they're going to win in the digital sphere. So uh, for all the advisors on the call, if you haven't started posting on social media, I encourage you to do so. Build your brand and provide real financial advice because that's what consumers need. Absolutely. One thing I'll add uh, is, you know, when we think about who our competition is, um, the uh, the banks have to be looking at this. And, you know, you mentioned policy, me, Brandon, uh, you know, a friend of mine, Matt Inglis is, uh, uh, you know, railing against creditor insurance sold through the banks. And I think it's a noble effort, but also a necessary one because people don't realize what they're buying and, and uh, you know, what the value is long-term for some of those products. But I got to think the banks have to be looking at AI as a natural uh, extension of what they're doing to market to their existing clients. And yeah, they're not necessarily in our space directly because of uh, the regulatory uh, uh, blockages there. But you know, if we're not servicing a wider swath of the population, as I said earlier, it gives them ammunition, arguably, to try and position why they should be allowed to sell insurance, and hopefully that uh, that doesn't happen because you know it it, uh, it it doesn't serve the public, in my opinion, to have them doing that. But uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of change that can still that will still will still happen with with especially with AI. Um, machine learnings have come a long way. I, there's not a company in the world at this day and age that doesn't use machine learning in some way or or another but not on the giant predictive modeling of GPT, right? So it, it's, it, it just helps scale. And to see where it's going to go in the future is exciting. But uh, yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it is going to open up a lot of people to these, uh, let's call them scalpers, so to speak, uh, of the industry. Like you see them in every industry where they come in and they just want to have the low rates. They want to give you low rates, low issue, because people don't know. You know, like 50, over 50% of the population doesn't even know what they have for insurance, if they have insurance. Eight out of 10 people are confused by their, even their insurance options they get. So when someone comes along with flashy graphics and, oh, wow, low rates, even the dollar a day or something, and they're like, wow, that's incredible. But it's only a one-year term. It's only a four-year term. You know, it's it like, oh, yeah, you congratulations, you paid. Oh, something happened. Well, you don't really actually get much. You know, you would have been better off just accepting the life insurance policy that your bank offers you when you open a bank account. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So mm -hmm. like, where does the puck stop? Right. I know mm -hmm. if, if my client is in trouble, they can call me and I'm going to pick up the phone and help them through. But if you bought something through AI or a chat bot, who is where does the puck stop? Are you going to call up policy me? You'll be on a 1-800 number. See how that goes. And how about when it matters the most, if you actually have to make a claim and you're in crisis? And you need to relate to and talk to a human being and have them guide you through this process. Um, because again, you're in crisis. There's emotion associated with that. You need support of people, not a machine that's not returning your call or asking you 17 um, predictable questions to try to filter you through a system till you get somebody maybe at the end, maybe at the end to talk to, to try to help you through one of those most critical heart-wrenching times of your life. You've been diagnosed with an illness or a loved one has, or in fact, they've died, or it's your significant other calling because you died. And the one thing I talk about too is convenience. Yes, it may be convenient from an acquisition standpoint to go with a fast application process for life insurance. But what if something happens? What if I have questions? What if I need support? Usually the convenience doesn't go on that other side of things. And Let's face it, most people would prefer and trust to speak with an advisor. And there are stats out there that show people would rather have that professional advice. So there is absolutely still a market for that human interaction, even with technology coming up. But why not have the best of both worlds? I'm curious, has anyone looked in at uh, the stage of quantum computing uh, today? Uh, I'm just asking because as I look thinking about that and and 
the uh, evolution of AI, you know, we could be at a point in the future where someone could be online talking to an avatar and not even realize it's an avatar. And to your point, Jonathan, they're going to be getting advice based on their situation and their questions, but it's that quick response potential. I don't know uh, where things are at on quantum, but... Uh, they, I believe they've had some tests, like some physical tests that have worked, but they, it's very limited. Um, a lot of it's still very theoretical. Uh, my friend works in data sec for the banks and he's very in this field. And um, he said that's going to change a lot because especially with data security, he's like, you think data security is changing now with AI? It's like, wait till quantum computing becomes real. It's, it's going to change. Everything's going to change very quickly when that becomes reality. It's yeah. the same thing as, you know, when, the first car, right? <laughs> Think about when the first tractors came out, how fat, much faster farming became. The first computers, like even Ray, your laptop, right? That yeah. laptop to now, like yeah. your, fo- your phone has more processing power than that. Exactly. So, well, and even think about the iPhone evolution uh, from what, 2005? Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. So like 17, 18 years, it's crazy. Like I'm a Saskatchewan farm girl. We still had party lines out on the farm that long ago. (laughs) (laughs) And if you don't know what that is, I'm not explaining it. Uh, I I know, I know what it is. (laughs) You'd have a whole bunch of people over your house to talk on the phone. Like, uh, yeah, big party. (laughs) That's what it's all about, right? It's the scaling. It's using these technologies to scale up. And that's kind of what we've been talking about this whole time. So how could advisors then use this technology to scale their business, but still balance that personal touch so that they don't lose, um, that they don't lose that, that connection to their people? Because obviously insurance and finance, it is personal and it's a very personal relationship you're building with the advisor. So how, how can they go about that? Great question, Matt. I'll share a quick little scenario. Um, you, you're leveraging tech to, to create a more personalized slash automated experience. There's, there's only so many hours a day, only so many hours, uh, oh, sorry, so many hours in a day, so many days in a week for a busy advisor, especially one that's you know, got a bunch of clients, competing priorities, trying to balance work and life, et cetera. And, and there's a lot of tools, once again, referencing a Digicat that can help you know, alleviate some of that, right? One of them, one of them that stands out uh, is, is Brandon's own advisor flow, right? So you know, the old days of meeting a client and trying to like get a bunch of facts from them in the first meeting and try to complete that discovery meeting, it can be, can be a little bit of like an interrogation. Um, and people don't want that. <laughs> people are busy. Uh, you know, although, you know, they don't have to drive to meet you anymore. You don't have to drive to meet them in many cases. You can do it virtually. But I think the idea of spending that first meeting, that first discovery meeting, answering softer, more heart type questions as opposed to hard facts, you can actually delegate that ahead of time with a tool like Advisor Flow, where the client can just self-serve, you know, when they get a chance uh, to complete it. And once they do, you can reference that in your discussion. Uh, so it makes, it, makes uh, that first discovery call a lot more empathetic, if you will, and more, more of a, a conversation as opposed to an interrogation, like I mentioned. So that's one quick, one quick example. Uh, of, uh, of, you know, leveraging tech for, for efficiency. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I think ultimately the cost, customer expectations have changed. Uh, so if we can integrate tech that makes the process more seamless, uh, we coin it less admin, more advice, then the client experience is going to be better. Uh, the advisor is going to do less work they don't like. Their assistants will do less work they don't like. And financial advisory firms can be more human than direct-to-consumer platforms that while looking like they're a smooth user experience, ultimately the customer experience after the purchase of a policy or the placing of an investment product will be nowhere close to an independent advisory firm providing real advice with technology. You know, in the coaching I've done with advisors speaking at conferences over the years, one of the things I've talked about is the concept of being proactive uh, and deciding when to be reactive. And um, you know, on a proactive basis for advisors, it's deciding who they're going to be spending their time trying to get in front of. And technology can support their marketing and their outreach uh, in that. On the reactive side, um, you know, from a new business uh, perspective, sometimes advisors are getting in- introductions or referrals to clients that probably don't fit their ideal client profile. So the opportunity to leverage technology to help them manage those types of opportunities can be very powerful because they can sting, still bring value to their uh, the prospect or the client. Uh, they can still get a sale 
and the premium may not be as much as who they are proactively going after, but it does get premium coming in and it's profitable because they haven't spent as much time or put forth as much effort there. And, um, you know, it, again, it's hard to for advisors in many cases to really think about what they're doing proactively because so often they have to react to what's coming in. And uh, again, that's where technology, I think, can be a, uh, a support for them. Yeah, I think when it comes to um, balance, balance starts with your, your mindset. Technology is designed to enhance, not replace personal interaction. So, I mean, if I take LDA, for example, and when and, and back up a second, like tech is supposed to be doing some of the heavy lifting of those more manual processes. And I think advisors often overcomplicate this, um, especially when considering what technology to use. It is first about your mindset and understanding um, what is most relevant and what problems you need to solve in your business. And a lot of advisors struggle with enforced business management. And so if you're, if you're an advisor that has 500 um, households and 1500 insurance policies that you're trying to manage, you can't, you cannot possibly do that without technology. So what technology would you take a look at using? Life design analysis, nothing else out there will run formulas that helps you mine your existing enforced block of business and do your job that you have been paid to do, you've received commission for to make sure you're properly servicing your, your clients while maintaining compliance, while doing your KYP market surveys and all that kind of stuff. Like you can't do that one at a time does not make sense. And it's, it's, I mean, you can't be focused, but if you use technology like LDA, and um, this is not an LDA commercial, I'm saying this because I actually use it with the advisors I work with. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way because it's the best thing out there. You guys, like if you need a piece of technology to help manage your insurance block, this is the one you go with because it does all of that for you. And, and to add to Kelly's point, you know, uh, yeah, LDA is fantastic. Great way to, to you know, mine and, and get alerts on when to reach out to certain folks based on the, the policies that they have. Uh, and many advisors out there have hundreds and hundreds of policies. Um, you know, another tool that uh, a lot of advisors haven't really taken advantage of, uh, but once again, to plug the DigiCat 2.0, uh, we've got a bunch of options in there, and that is CRM, you know, Client Relationship Management System, right? And uh, just a great way to organize and track, you know, all the activity that advisors do uh, and, and just stay organized and, and, you know, know when to reach out, log those interactions, know when to reach out next, uh, and, uh, and also, once again, you know, prove to those dreaded compliance departments that you've done your job and done your due diligence on a regular basis. So, so yeah, check that out. Uh, definitely look at some CRMs. There's a bunch of good ones out there uh, and start from uh, checking out DigiCap. Uh, a trend I've been seeing a lot lately is advisor teaming. And so that's multi-advisor firms joining. And an issue they're faced with is how do you scale operations? Uh, I think the time of the solo practitioner uh, is slowly coming to an end because of increased compliance and the requirements that are going to be required uh, for those advisors. When that, when an advisor team is scaling, by integrating technology, that allows those advisors to set the standard that their other team members will follow and ensure that there's data flow between the systems in the advisor's process. And, and it's also just adding value. Um, you know, from, from a financial standpoint, life insurance, you know, as an asset, it's, it's only one piece of a financial security, uh, for a lot of people. And so bringing in, you know, financial advisors, as well as the insurance advisors into the same firm who can wholly help somebody. And so it's not, oh, I have my, I, you know, my investments are with this group and my insurance is with this group. And then I have savings here and, it's, it's all in one place and it's adding value to bring in these people and have these tools all kind of, you know, speaking together at least or being able to be used quickly at the same time. So I think we're going to be coming close to the end here. Let's just talk about how insurance advisors then talking about teaming. How can you work together beyond joining the advocates? How, how can advisors then go about teaming together, working together to bring about this change in the industry and helping each other? 
So are you talking about like teaming together in their businesses or just how can they work together to share the best practices and support each other um, to leverage, you know, cause it's, again, it's not just one person by themselves. First go, go have a beer and figure out who you are as a person. What do you enjoy doing in your business? What do you not enjoy doing? Create a clear strategy with what your goals are in your business, what you want to achieve. Then you can start to look at the right technologies, the right partners. Um, if you love insurance, you don't like investments, perhaps you're partnering with an investment only advisor. Then you can streamline your technology processes with the people you're creating. But I think all advisors should be fostering innovation in a sense that whatever they're doing now, it might change a year from now. It might change three years from now. It doesn't stop. And if every advisor thinks that way, we're not going to see direct-to-consumer uh, platforms have distinct advantages to the advisor uh, community. And then ultimately, collaborate with your community. So uh, come to advocates events, share your thoughts, talk to our tech and innovation committee. The more we work together, the better our whole industry will be. Tech partners like LDA fostering conversations like this, this is exactly the type of thing that helps us all elevate the profession. Brandon, that was a yeah, great, great answer there. Uh, I would also add that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really important to, you know, talk to others, uh, whether it's your questions, whether it's thoughts, whether it's ideas, whether it's like, should I use this? Should I use that? How are other people doing, doing things a certain way or, or a different way? Um, you know, we're trying to connect people. We're trying to make, connect people here at the Advocacy Technology and Innovation Committee. Obviously, our friends here at LDA, Jonathan, Matt, Charlie, et cetera, they're doing the same thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time doing practice management consulting. Uh, I've worked with a lot of advisors over the years, a lot of different firms. Uh, I've got friends across the country. Um, you know, allow my network to be your network. You know, if, if you're looking for somebody that's, oper if you're operating a certain way and you want something kind of similar to your situation and maybe a little bit further ahead with some of the technology we mentioned on our, on our web, our sorry, podcast today, um, I'd be more than happy to make those introductions. I do this on a regular basis. Um, and it's definitely one of the fastest ways for you and another person to level up. I'm sure there's, you know, things that, you know, you can teach them and they can teach you. And, and ultimately, uh, you know, Canadians are going to be better served uh, and uh, everybody will be in a better spot. I'd say I'd say something similar, you know, to to Brandon and Herman, but engage. Engage is like it's not just attending. It's not just showing up. It's asking questions. It's participating. It's experimenting. Um, those are critical, critical pieces to um, helping you learn about yourself and helping you learn about what you need and helping you refine how you're going through some of your processes in your business. And I'll tell you, there is not one person on the Tech and Innovation Committee or anyone I've, I've met in our advocacy community, for that matter, or the fintech community that doesn't want to be helpful. Mm -hmm. People are motivated to talk about what is inspiring them. And they're motivated to help their community and the people around them. So ask thoughtful questions. Ask not so thoughtful questions. There's nothing, there's, there's no such thing as a stupid question. When it comes to people trying to learn about technology and trying to learn about how to be more efficient and more effective and how to scale their impact. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with, uh, with what everybody said. I, I think where it starts is the advisors have to take ownership of this. They can't wait for someone to come and say, do this, or here's what you need to do. Like they need to take ownership because they are business owner and uh, they need to look, um, you know, Brandon's advice is bang on. Get clarity about what your vision is for your business, where are you trying to take it and by when, and then uh, decide, okay, how, how does technology help me get there smoother or more quickly? Um, who else can I talk to? Are there people in the industry, whether it's at your distributor, whether it's through advocates, uh, whether it's at a carrier, um, look for the resources that you can lean on, but also look outside the industry. So much of our consumer experience is, is impacted by what people are getting in other parts of their life. So when they come to life insurance and, you know, and again, this isn't happening as much now, but a paper-based application that takes nine weeks to get uh, issued in a policy that doesn't get people excited when they can you know, order something on Amazon that is, is here tomorrow. Um, it's that uh, different uh, expectations and mentality from uh, our consumers. But you have to take ownership as an advisor and, and choose to invest your time 
in learning about these things. You don't have to be a tech expert, but you need to think about your, again, your business, your systems, your processes, and decide what technology do I have today versus what can I look to uh, invest in in the future and why? What's the outcome I'm looking to get as a result of that investment? Herman mentioned CRMs. There's a lot of CRMs on the market. And the CRM is an enabler. It is not the solution. So you have to still understand what your processes are and how to map those into the CRM to get the true value out of it. Um, But I I think you need to get involved in the industry. You should be a member of Advocates if you're not. Um, You should be going to meetings. You should be leveraging your relationships at distribution and carrier levels. And, you know, again, be involved. Don't sit back waiting for someone to come and tell you that somebody may come and tell you stuff and you may buy into it, but it may not be the right thing. So, um, you know, take the time to uh, invest time in yourself and in your practice and it's going to pay off. And even from marketing perspective that I can provide is uh, take chances, take risks, walk outside of your comfort zone a little bit. It doesn't take much to post an article on LinkedIn. It doesn't take much to become a thought leader. Uh, that's what we've been trying to do since I've come to LDA is we really want to be more than just a platform. We want to make sure that everyone knows we know our stuff. And so mm-hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't take much to step out of your comfort zone, um, but it can have a lot of big impact when you do. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for coming. Uh, this has been a really great conversation. Uh, I'm really glad that you all were able to carve some time out of your schedules to, to join us today. And uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, continuing this conversation uh, via LinkedIn. You can find us all on LinkedIn or at tick at advocates.ca. That's T-I-C at advocates.ca. And uh, for those of you who don't know, we also do have a LinkedIn group we're starting as well. So we can have the conversation continue there if uh, you're interested. Um, it's just Policy Pod by LDA. It's on LinkedIn and uh, it's free, free to open to anybody who wants to jump in and have a conversation. So thank you very much. Again, thank you very much for everyone for coming. Brandon, Herman, Ray, Kelly, John. It's been, a, it's been an honor and uh, look forward to more conversations, I'm sure, in the future. Thanks, oh, you guys. Our pleasure. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Matt. I All love right. LDA. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Take care, guys. See you later. Thanks, guys. See ya. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Policy Pod by LDA. Before we go, I want to remind you that if you want to experience the benefits of LDA for yourself, you can try it free for 15 days by heading to www.lifedesignanalysis.com forward slash sign dash up. That's S-I-G-N dash U-P. And if you want to stay updated on all our latest content and events, be sure to follow us on YouTube at Life Design Analysis and join our LinkedIn group, PolicyPod by LDA. We've created this space specifically for insurance professionals like you to come together and support each other as we navigate the exciting and ever-changing world of digital transformation in life insurance. Thank you again for tuning in. Can't wait to continue this conversation with you in our next episode of PolicyPod by LDA.